0: Hello passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm Louise, your host, International Passion Ambassador. I'm so excited about my guest today, Grant Cameron. Welcome. Grant Cameron has been a UFO researcher since 1975. Grant is a world recognized expert on presidents and UFOs, the Canadian government and UFOs, the alien music connection and the relationship of consciousness to UFOs. He is the winner of the Leeds Conference International Researcher of the Year and the UFO Congress Researcher of the Year. Grant has spent decades watching and chronologic developments around extraterrestrial contact. He is the author of Charlie Red Star. In the past few years, Grant has turned his research interests to the search for the ultimate reality, where the aliens have become less alien with every passing day and the message of oneness and love becomes more and more real. This is his story and this is his passion, Grant. Welcome to Passion Harvest.
1: Beautiful, wonderful introduction, and I'm I'm honored to be on. As I said, I, I I found your show, and I found it fascinating, and I love the intros that you do.
0: Oh, thank you. I love your I love your show as well, and I'll put all the links for people to connect with you, and we'll discuss it later. But I'd love to um, touch on your UFO sighting, the Charlie Red Star.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the background. Um, I was raised very religious I was my mother my dear mother wanted me to be a minister uh, so that was sort of a background and it was sort of like um, there were miracles but I never seen a miracle so I was having the doubt that there was such a thing as you know weird stuff or miracles or whatever and I had no interest in UFOs I did have interest in Edgar Casey. I was interested in that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so I was at university I was very frustrated Um, I thought the university was a total waste of time. I had no idea why I was there. I wondered, like in calculus, where the numbers had gone. I was trying to think, how are you ever going to make any money at this nonsense? And it was that when it, that's when it happened. It was, it was started in um, February of 1975. I live in a city of about 700,000 people. This happened about 30 miles outside the city at a a town called Carmen Manitoba, which is about 25 miles from the U.S. border. And it was in the newspaper and it was, it's, they called it Charlie Red Star and it was being seen almost every night. So I said to my friend, we used to do, we used to uh, drive around the city, which was the same as university. Like it was basically a waste of time. So we drive around the city and drive around the city and drive around the city and not do anything. So I said to my friend, Larry, I said, Hey, let's go see what they're looking at. And he said, okay, we'll go. And we never did go. And then three months later, um, a local TV station caught this thing jumping off the ground. And then it went viral. Suddenly they had a a TV thing. They did the documentary. And I said, come on, let's go. Let's go see what they're looking at. And the way I always describe it is I bought the lottery ticket knowing that there's a chance I'm going to win, but you're not going to win. I mean, we'll bundle up, but we're not going to see anything. We went out there and we drove around for an hour. There was two of us and there was a guy in the backseat and we're looking around at the stuff. We're like, like, what are they looking at? What's everybody looking at? And um, we drove in the town, out of the town, in the town, around the town. And then my friend says, uh, he says, okay, we'll go back in town one more time. If we don't see anything, let's go home. I said, great. Been a total waste of time. We turn around to go back into town and it appears from the left to the right. Now we were saying, what is this? What is this? You know, what are they looking at? As soon as it appeared, everybody went, there it is. We instantly knew there was no question. Nobody asked, is that what it is? It appeared from the left to the right. It was down very low, only a couple hundred feet off the ground. It was not a light in the sky. It was an object. It was in really close to the car. And it flew right in front of the car across the road coming from the south from the American border going into the north. It was red. It was blood red. It looked like it was alive. It was pulsing like a plasma object. It was bobbing up and down. It was sort of moving up and down. And I couldn't get enough. I just like I was getting out of the car as the car was still moving because it was going in behind this set of school buses that were parked outside this town. And I I knew it was going to be behind the buses. I wouldn't be able to see it. And that was sort of like my moment where I grabbed Alice by the hand and I jumped down the rabbit hole and I've never come out since. It was just, that was my passion harvest. That's when it started. It was like, <laughs> just, and that's what happens to people who have paranormal events. Uh, they just can't let it go. It's, it, and that's why paranormal events are always so weird. They make it weird because you can't let it go. You keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about it. So what I did is I got all my friends and I said, you got to come see this. This, you got to see this. This is unbelievable. And I drag all my friends out there two nights later. And we are standing there on a road and there's, there's cars all over the place because people from the city are there trying to see this thing. And the second night, uh, my friends say, okay, we're going home. I said, no, 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 you got to stay, stay, stay. You got to see this thing. No, no, we're going home. We're hungry. We're going back to Winnipeg for pizza. And all my friends took off. There was eight people left when it came the second night. It came about 15 minutes after my friends left. And this time it was bouncing around the sky. It was jumping around the sky. It was this flashing thing, jumping around the sky. And there was these kids that we'd taken, and they said, hey, is that it, Grant? And I go, I guess so. <laughs> it looked like what I'd seen the first night. And as it got closer, it actually changed to a different object. It was jumping around. It was a flashing object. And as it came closer, it was the same object I'd seen the first night. And it's down again, very low to the ground, maybe a couple hundred feet off, And it's coming right at us. It's like we're looking right at it. It's coming right at us. And uh, I remember there's a girl, as we was jumping around the sky, the car beside us, the girl was crying. She couldn't see it because it was moving around the sky and she's crying. Someone show it to me and people are swearing and they're yelling and and they're jumping up and down and the, the guy had a camera in the other um, car and they had what were called motor drives from a Nikon camera in 1975 where it would advance the film very fast and I can still remember this girl is, is crying, people are yelling and, and, and screaming and I could hear this camera go click, zzz, click, zzz, click zzz. and he's <laughs> unloading the camera as this thing's coming towards us and then it came right at us And then it just sort of made a turn and it went off into the north. And I remember looking at it and I thought, wow, that could be from another planet. And then the thing that stuck me 46 years, the next thought that came into my head, I I looked at it and I said, but what's it doing? It's not doing anything. And that was the thing that stuck with me is like, why, what is actually going on? And so I I put, I went, I talked to everybody in the town. I interviewed all these people and they would always do the same thing oh i I, I, don't, I don't i don't know what you're talking about i said well so and so say you saw something they say well it really wasn't anything and then it was like something sitting in the middle of the road or something and then they would squeal on somebody else or three people and i'd have this whole list of people i wrote this manuscript up and i remember i went to try to get it published and nobody could care less they they couldn't and it was a big story where i was from and the local publisher who should have published it said mr cameron you may believe in this kind of stuff count me among the unbelievers And I went, what? I just left Florida, floor. And I thought, that's it. No more sayings. And I said, it's like a good story. I can tell you the story of what happened. And I was close five times. I was so close in 76. I was going to jump on the thing. So I have these interesting stories, but nobody cared. Like the publishers didn't care. And then I was, all I was concerned about was somebody's got to know what's going on here. I mean, I'm I'm this, uh, you know, yokel from Winnipeg, Manitoba in the middle of the farmland. I don't know what's going on, but somebody's got to know. And that's why I started this pursuit. I went after the Canadian government. I went after, I ended up following the former president of Penn State University around. 14 honorary doctorate degrees, co-developer of the Homing Torpedo, chairman of the board of the biggest in, uh, defense institute in the United States. And he would tell us rhymes and riddles. And it end up at the, at the president's. And I was looking for some files at the at the Truman Library. And that's when I thought, hey, president's some. Most powerful guy in the world. He's got to know what's going on. And I started this pursuit going through all the presidential libraries. And in the end, what happened was I'm in a situation now where I really don't believe anything I believed in 1975. Uh, I believe there are very few people who know what's going on. And I've come to a completely different conclusion as to what's going on. And I guess I would what it's sum up from my sighting to where I am now. I would say whatever we're dealing with now is a lot less physical than you think it is. It's a lot more spiritual than people think it is. It is 1,000, at least 1,000 times more complex than people think it is. And the number one message is only one message, oneness. That is the message. It's a giant kabuki theater. They want you to know that the reality is not what you think it is. And you start to think, like, what's going on? Something's wrong here. Reality isn't the way I think it is. And when you get to the bottom of the line, I think the number one message is oneness.
0: Wow, that just opens up a whole box of so many more questions, Grant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm backtracking, right, because I can't wait to get onto the message and your new insights and the whole oneness. But ha- have you seen an extraterrestrial? No.
1: In uh, fact, now I would even say that I, I am... I'm very uncertain whether there is extraterrestrials. I mean, I've gone that far. I, I've had experiences, I've had as I, 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 so I did this chase through the presidents, the Canadian government, you know, president of Penn State University, all these high level guys, all the high level CIA people I chased around, they know who I am. And um, I ended up um, in a situation where I wasn't getting any answers. I figured the government may know what's going on. There may be some people in the government that knows what's going on. Very few people in the government, but there's a few people who know, but they're not going to tell you. So it was like a total waste of time. And I started to have, I had the experience in 2012. That's when the shift took place where I moved from nuts and bolts and I'm watching a lecture by Colin Andrews, who's the guy who developed crop circles. And it's the same thing as the UFO thing. Almost everything that happened to me, I didn't intend to do. I wasn't interested in it. So uh, I didn't, wasn't interested in UFOs. Never thought about extraterrestrial life. In 2012, I met a lecture given by Colin Andrews, who does the crop circles. He invented the term crop circle in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was one of these conferences where it goes from eight o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. I, and you, you don't go to all the lectures. So you just figure, I'm going for lunch for this one. I'm not interested in this. And it was crop circles. I thought, nah, I'm not interested in crop I'm not going to go. And I thought, well, he's like one of the most prominent researchers in the world. I should go and pay him the respect. I should go watch him lecture. So I go into the lecture. And the thing was, that i wasn't paying attention and this is what i get into this i wrote this book called contact modalities so there are ways everything's in the field all the answers are in the field and i'm there and i'm daydreaming which is one of the contact modalities you sort of you're zoning out you're meditating you're thinking about doing other things and all of a sudden it was like bang like that boom all this stuff came into my head there was three things they put the puzzle together and it was like whoa, and it's and it basically said the answer you had that question in 1975 what's going on here? What is this? And it basically said, the answer is consciousness. And I, and I always joked about it because I said, in 2012, when I walked into that lecture hall, I couldn't have spelled consciousness and I could not have cared less. It was the last <laughs> thing. I just like, consciousness? Like, what, what do you mean consciousness? And then I started to look at it and what happened in 2013 I had another event where I'm giving my first consciousness lecture, the connection to, that I believed that was consciousness. What it had told me, it said, uh, like this former president of Penn State University had asked us at one point, he said, let me ask you a question. What do you know about ESP? And the guy from Great Britain that was was interviewing him said, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And he said, look, unless you understand about ESP and how it works, you will not be taken in by the control group. Very few people understand. And we didn't know. And during that lecture, I go, oh, that's what Walker was talking about. It was this this non-local consciousness thing that he was talking about. And the Canadians had said in 1950 that mental phenomena was involved. The Canadians knew this. Mental phenomena was involved with the UFOs. So I was giving this lecture in 2013. And they said to me, they said, hey, are you still going to talk to Pam Dupuy?'" And I go, I guess so. I had no idea. And this woman, she's in her 70s, comes to the house where I'm staying. And she said, What does Stacy tell you about me? I said, Nothing. I'm just supposed to talk to you. That's good. She was walking in and she's a remote viewer and she's psychic not fanat- psychic and she's working for the CIA and all this. And I, I've heard all these stories a million times. So I wasn't really that impressed. And then she drops it on me and she says, Oh. And I was flying the flying saucer last night. And I went, What? She said, You're flying the flying saucer? She said, Yeah. I said, they let you fly the flying saucer. I was like, like come on. I was ready to throw her out of the house. Like you're 75 years old and you're, you're <laughs> flying the flying saucer. I'd never heard anything like that in my life. And I said, they let you fly? They, really? Because I'm thinking of you know Saudi Arabian women who at that point weren't allowed to drive a car. Yes. And, and yet, you know if you get a Saudi Arabian woman, they're going to let you fly the flying saucer with no license, no insurance, nothing. And I, so I said, how do you fly a flying saucer? And she said, oh, you do it with your mind. And then I realized why she had told me this. And then again, I was one of these rabbit holes where it sort of opened up whether I was given this or not, I'm not sure, but I now have 50 people who have flown the flying saucer and they will all say exactly. It's like the reading off a cue card. It's exactly the same thing. I'll say, stop. How do you fly a flying saucer? And they'll say, well, you go into the craft and, and then they're there. And, and you, there's a, there's either a, a beehive, like a, a ball, you put your hand on a ball or you put your hand on a panel or you put your hand on a panel on the wall. The craft is alive, and you become one with the craft. And and so you and the craft are together, and whatever you think is what the craft does. And everybody, I've got retired U.S. Air Force colonels. I've got 747 United Airlines pilots. I've got all these people, and they all say the same thing. It's like they're reading off a cue card. And and they'll go in, they'll say, I don't know what to do. And and the, the intelligence is behind them. They don't know if it's a human or a being or whatever. And they'll say, you know what to do. Just do it. And it's like they're sort of teaching these people and it's this consciousness connection again. So that was 2012, I had that download experience. And so I started to look for other people who had had these download experiences. And that's when I discovered that Paul McCartney had written the song yesterday, the most produced song of the 20th century in a, a dream. And then I got a phone call from experiencers. So I, I at least understood that if you want to understand the UFO phenomena. You, you don't spend time looking at lights in the sky or chasing the government or whatever. You want to talk to the people who claim that they're interacting with the phenomena, that are actually dealing with the beings. And I was, so I was talking to these people. And one of them is a guy that has actually been briefed to the president of the United States. He's a guy out of North Carolina, very religious guy. I went to see him, had a very dramatic experience with him. And he phones me up in 2014. He says, I've got a message from the Guardians. And this is who he's dealing with. So I know this guy's the real deal, and that's when he says to me, "He says, and again, this is one of these things where I have no interest whatsoever." He said, "I got a message from the Guardians for you." I said, "Really, for me, from the Guardians? What, what what do they want me to know?" And he says, "They want you to know the message is in the music," and I said, "Well, Chris, uh, you're talking to the wrong guy, Chris. I don't listen to music. I don't play music. have my whole family's musical. I don't. I, I have no interest in music. I'm a radio talk guy." I listen to radio talk. I listen to podcasts. I never listened to music. And he said, well, you should listen to Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And I go, whatever, Chris. You know, he's, he keeps talking. And then he says, and this is how this phenomena drags you in. You see these synchronicity things. So I'm, there's no way I'm doing this. There's no I'm not interested. So he says, oh, and the other song you should listen to is a song called After the Gold Rush by Neil Young. And if you look at the lyrics, it basically says we're treating the world like a gold rush. And when the gold is gone, the silver seeds, the flying saucers, are going to take the chosen ones off to another star. This is Neil Young. It's one of the most famous songs. He's a big environmentalist. He's tried to shut down the, the oil sands in Canada. And I said, Neil Young is involved in this? Neil, you sure? He said, Yeah, yeah. And I said, Neil Young, like I, li- I mentioned, I live in Winnipeg, which nobody in Canada wants to visit. Neil Young grew up in Winnipeg. And I go, Neil Young's involved in this thing? Neil Young. I thought, that's how it got me going. I just started to look and I realized that. All these famous musicians had had a UFO sightings. They'd had encounters. They had claimed that they'd been abducted. They, uh, they had all this kind of stuff. And I realized there was this very direct connection. That was true. The message, they were putting it through musicians. And the conclusion I came to is that um, the, the way they want to get the message across, they do it through this weird thing that they'll take you as a child and they'll sort of drop this stuff in and you get there. But when you're 20 years old, they they're never going to take you when you're 20 years old because who's they, well, whoever it is, I just call it the intelligence. I'm really not sure who it is. So they, they're not going to interact with you. Like pe- people figure they're getting abducted. So they're not going to abduct you after you're 20 because all your, all your ideas are set. You Your prejudices are set. Everything is set. They, they could care less about you anymore because they're they need a big shovel and a and rubber boots to get into your brain, to get deep enough to put an idea in there because you've got all this other garbage in there that you've, you've developed. So what happened, I believe, with the music was that uh, when, when your child is between one and 10 years old, you are your child's hero. You're the greatest in the world. And it's like at, at 10 years old, then it's like, uh, Mama, could, could you, uh, my friends around, could you walk like 10 feet behind me? And then it's like 15 years old. And it's like, I don't even want you around when my kids are there. And it's and what they're doing is the ego is coming online and they want identity. They, they're looking for something in the world. I want to be something. I want to I achieve something. So between the time they're 10 and, say, 25 years old, who are they listening to? Musicians. And that's why I believe they're putting this stuff into music. They're putting these messages to influence the kids who are looking for something to do in the world. So I had that experience in 2014. And then 2017 was the big one. So you say, did I talk to an alien? I didn't talk to an alien, but I've had a lot of contact with what I call the force it's a it's in the field it's I I get intuitive downloads I had the one in in 2012 but in 2017 um, I I walk an awful lot and that's where I get a lot of this intuitive stuff and people will get it in the shower they'll get it when they wake up just before they go to sleep and stuff when they're going through the theta state going into delta and stuff like that so I walk and so I would walk downtown which is about six miles and it'll take you know a couple a couple of hours to get there so I'm walking along and I've just had coffee. I'm two I'm two miles away, and I'm walking down the street. And if you read about, if you know about mystical experiences, it's called this noetic state. So noetic state is something where something comes out of the field and comes into your mind. And Edgar Mitchell, the Apollo 14 astronaut, experienced this coming back from the moon. He's coming back, and he suddenly he's looking at the earth, and he suddenly has this oneness experience. He's one with the universe. Everything's together, and he basically shuts his whole career down, and he starts the Institute for Noetic Studies about this idea about noetic material. So because I'd had this experience in 2012 where you get the feeling, here it is, write, write this down. This is important. It's coming into your head. It's not an idea. So 2017, I'm walking down the street. I know exactly which street I'm on. It's very cold. I got my glove on and it starts to come and I go, oh, it's coming. And I get my glove and I take a piece of paper and I take the glove off and I start writing this stuff down and it starts to give me these things, this, 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 this. And it gets about 15 different things and then it stops put the glove back on, put the paper back in my pocket, start to walk, and it starts to come again. And I write it down. It was 24 things. And what this was, was like, a, I, I call it an noetic experience where you're getting it from whoever it's coming from, maybe higher self, maybe God, maybe if I, I always call it the force. I have this instinctual thing that I'm dealing with, this thing called, I call the force. And so what it was basically saying to me there was this idea of reality. Consciousness was first. And then it said, not only have you got it wrong, about how the world works. It's exactly the opposite of what you think it is. So what it would give me is things like, it would say, is the world made out of little nuts and bolts? If it is, that's one world with certain rules. But if the world is made out of consciousness, then that's a completely different world and the rules are all gonna change. Is it one life? If it's one life, that's one, that's one world with certain rules and regulations. But if it's multiple lives, it's a completely different world is it separate are we separate random biological robots floating around in a meaningless universe that's one world it's like the evolutionary world the darwinian idea that's one world with certain rules but if everything's connected and 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 it's one thing instead of separation that's a completely different world and so it was this is it this is it this and it's saying you think it's this it's this you think it's this it's this and it was these 24 things that it was giving me and i'm madly writing this stuff down and so uh, that's when I started on the whole thing about the contact modalities. I, I would talk to the experiencers, the people who have interacted, because 40% of all experiencers who claim that they've interacted with the, the intelligence behind the phenomena
0: mm-hmm.
1: is almost the same as near-death experiences. When you, 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 add, you talk to them, they'll say, you know what, at one point during my experience, I knew the answer to everything in the universe. And 40% in and, and near-death experiences is almost as high. 50% will say they're, they're suddenly able to heal. Near-death experience, 70% of people say they can heal people. And so I figured, like, people will say, oh, Louisa, you just anecdotal. You just think you, you had this experience. That's anecdotal. We can't measure. We can't weigh it. We're not interested in that sort of stuff. And I say, but if you have somebody who said they had the answer to everything in the universe, don't you think we should at least talk to these people? I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can test them and whatever. But this is important. If these people are actually in the field, and that gave me the idea that there is a field, Akashic field, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. implicate order, whatever you want to call it, where everything is in the field. And it's everybody has access it to it, but it's the ability to get in the field to access the material. And these people, through this UFO-type experience, this abduction experience or whatever, in, the, the beings are allowing them into the field.
0: The intelligence. Come,
1: yeah, the intelligence. And when they come back into this world, they're in a, a different matrix environment. And when they come back in, they forget it all because they come back and the ego comes back online. And so when I did the contact modality, I came to this conclusion that it's all basically the same thing. The ability to get in the field is the ability for you to shut down the left rational analytical brain where the little voice is saying, Louisa, you're bad. You're in trouble. You're stupid. This is all nonsense. Don't listen to this. If you could shut it down, that's what you're doing in meditation. You're not quieting the mind. You're quieting the, the little voice in the left brain. Or if you've seen the the Jill Bolte Taylor, the neuroanatomist from Harvard, who has the left brain hemorrhage. So her left brain is being flooded by blood. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, the little voice got turned off like a remote control by hitting the mute button. It was gone. And she's in she's as big as the universe. She's one with the universe. And this one this thing, and the separation is gone. She's one with the universe. And then she comes back online, and the little voice says, you're in trouble. You better do something. You're in trouble. And then she, whoop, she the, the blood goes and she shuts down again. And then she's going, This is so cool. How many neuroanatomists can watch themselves having a stroke? I, yeah. and, Incre- and that's whole idea. Well. And that's what it comes down to is the ability the ability to shut this left brain down. And there's actually been experiments that show this whole thing that we have two brains. We don't have one. And they they play off against each other. And that the ego is what keeps you in the physical world. And the idea is, no, you are not the voice in your head. You are not the player on the stage. That's the ego. You are above. You are the person who's watching. And you will go into this life. You'll go into the next life, this whole reincarnation thing. You're just an actor. You've got to remember, you're not the actor on the stage. You are watching the actor, and you are just in a play. The ego gets to believe, no, no, it's a, this is real. I'm actually on the stage, and I'm, I'm doing this kind of stuff. And that's when the when the ego gets out of control. That's when I think the problems start. It's this idea of separation versus one which was one of the key things it said, is the world separate or is it one? If everybody works together as one, if I, if you are, and it's almost like the left brain, right brain. So the left brain is a male dominated brain. It's me versus you. I'm fighting you. I I, I I'm under attack. The, the, the female brain is on the other side, which is oneness. It's like our family, let's work together. I'm raising my family, this sort of thing. And as I always say, it's like, hopefully the women take over the world before it's too late because the male dominant male, idea is is running the world and it's me versus you it's it's battle it's war it's uh survival of the fittest rape pillage kill and steal whoever's got the most toys when they die wins and we have got to move to an idea where the one is more important that we realize whatever we do to gaia to our neighbor to whoever affects the the entire system we have an idea where whatever i do doesn't affect everybody else no the, the, the intelligence is saying absolutely everything you do influences everything around you
0: Yes, I mean, look, I completely agree with this whole oneness concept. Ultimately, we are all one, but I just want, I'm just going back again just back, and then we'll move on to this consciousness and reality, which is so fascinating But you talk about the intelligence or extraterrestrials. i You're an expert. I am not knowledgeable at all on this subject, but I hear about, you know, all this CIA cover-up, and alien abductions what are your thoughts on that after your nearly 50 years of research
1: okay well i used as i i used, i bought into it like i'm saying in 1975 i well in fact in 1975 there was really no discussion of of abduction at all when i in 75 when i had mine the most famous abduction of all time took time took place that was travis walton and i always talk about the theory of wow that i believe that what this ph- phenomenon is doing it just wants you to go wow that's all they're doing they're not doing anything. They're just, it's like, you see a UFO and it flies around. That's why I said the second night ago, what's it doing? It's not doing anything. It's just there. It once you. It's like, hello, hello. You see us? And then it, it goes away. Travis Walton was taken for five days and people get upset in the UFO community. When I talk about this, I said, you know why they took Travis for five days? They took him because they said, Hey, we want to get the, we want to get the point across. We want everybody to realize like something weird's going on here. So we're going to take him for five days. I said, if Travis Walton, had only been taken for two hours you never heard of the guy he's the most famous guy on the UFO circuit ever because he was taken for five days he doesn't remember anything what happened on the ship almost nothing he was taken for five days so he actually so,
0: disappeared from this reality for five days
1: five days or, or you, you and and but then you have like people say okay they took people against their will but if you've ever seen Akiana Kramark who is one of the most famous painters of all time she draws she's, she's famous for painting the passion of the cry passion of, mm-hmm. of the uh, of jesus eight years old this picture of jesus like just like a photograph at eight years old she disappeared at five years old and she told the story at five years old she said that it happened to me and her impression was that she had been taken by god she was following this ball of light she disappeared from her house for six hours and they were looking for that guard They they had police they had guard dogs they had uh up they had uh, in questioning the neighbors and stuff they had this town sealed off so nobody could get her out with her and she said I, I could see everybody moving around and yet i was with this what she considered to be god like this ball that had this impression of god she was being taken through the universe she had a thousand eyes she could see all this stuff and she came back and started doing this painting she's like 25 years old she has these unbelievable paintings that she's done but she disappeared so i said what did god abduct her when you start asking questions, so people, when when people ha- talk about the abduction stuff, they will talk to people and they'll say, "Oh, so did, did they, they had you on the ship? Uh, were you scared? Did they probe you?" Yeah, did that, you have they a baby? the questions that
0: you'd want and to ask,
1: Because right? everybody wants to go to fear. They want to go to the fear yes. thing. So when I go on the ship, I, I when I get somebody, I say, as I did last night, I sent you this video of the guy with the with the radios. He's a very very high profile business guy in the United states. So he, he was talking, and I said to him, he had this encounter with this being for 13 days. And I said, so, uh, Mark, let me ask you, do you have any clothes on? And people always do the same thing. They go, they've never thought about it. They go, no, no, no I didn't have any clothes on. And then someone will say, it's a woman. So I said, well, how do you know it's a woman? And they go, I don't know. I, I just know it was a woman. It was a female I was dealing with, or it was a male. And then I'll say to them, did not have any clothes on? No. Let me ask you. So you're thinking, well, okay, this is an alien from a foreign planet. So I say, do they have any sex organs? And they go, no, I don't think so. I've never had anybody say. And they go, no. And I said, like, don't you think that's weird? Don't you think that's kind of strange? And then I'll say, do they have a belly button? No. Do they have nipples? No, I don't think I had that either. And then I, say to, and then I say to them, hey, I had one, one couple from 1946, the first time they saw the being. Now they're 80 years old. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. You saw it in 1946, the being? Yeah. You saw it now? Yeah. So did they ever get any older? They go. No. But aliens give it a long time. And they try to justify it. They try to justify the fact that the alien never gets any older. But you can ask these questions all the time. Did it get any older? Or the guy, this guy with the with the radio thing. He I said, Do you have any clothes on? He go, No. And they said, I could see through them. And it's like, is that not it's kind of weird? Is that not kind of and that's what the paranormal thing is doing. It's telling you something's wrong. One of your blocks is not right. You've got something wrong here. It's telling you, you've got to look at this, this kind of stuff, and you've got to realize it's not what you think it is. And if you've ever seen the research, I did a lot of research on Dr. Michael Newton, who had the the life between lives. He was a clinical psychologist who would regress people to the past life, take them into the spirit world and stuff like that. And one of his 7,000 regressions, he tells a story. It's almost the same thing happens with the alien abduction stuff. He said, the guy, suddenly the guy said, oh the devil's here oh my god the devil's in the room And he goes the devil and it's like the devil doesn't exist and he's going okay okay hang on hang on just calm down and he calms the guy down he says how you it's the devil it's the devil can you see him and he's, he's getting all freaking out and then so newton says well well hang on he said well what's he look like he said oh he's got leathery skin and he's got fiery eyes and he said okay okay so what's he wearing and the guy goes oh he doesn't have a body he doesn't have a body he just has this like a mist below his chest and then Newton immediately, that's the whole deal is maybe this is not what you think it is. So Newton basically says to him, Take a closer look. Who is it really? He says, Move forward in time and tell me what happens. And then the guy goes, Oh, scallion, I knew it was and it's his spirit guide. And what he had been in his last lifetime, he had been a, a fire and brimstone preacher and he'd been preaching to people about going to hell. So when he dies in that life, when he when Newton's reading bring him through that end of the life. It's Scallion, his spirit guide is there and he's got a mask on and he's giving him a lesson about what it's like to be taught that you're going to be going to hell. And so it's the old idea is when something doesn't make when something doesn't make sense, you have to realize and take a closer look. And what are we really looking at here? Is it really an alien? And that's when you start to fall apart. And what they've found, they've done actually done studies with experiencers and they found that whatever type of being you encounter is based upon your belief system. So, if you're very fearful,
0: like a new death see, experience,
1: well, yeah, you're going to see a gray. If you're very spiritual, I've got a friend who sees angels. He sees angels or or um, uh, high vibrating. Um, uh, what do you call them? Energy beings. These are very high vibrating people. Will see that. Fearful people, people who are um, very high energy, like this woman of the Rep- reptilian thing, has a lot of sex in the book, and she's very high energy and stuff like she sees that, and yet before she saw a human being. So you—that's what people don't realize. You are manifesting what you're seeing. People say, "No, no, no." It yeah, is because everything is a creation
0: of, of our consciousness. So yeah. in essence, are you saying it is a creation of our consciousness?
1: Yeah. That, that it's all—it's the whole thing is there's only one thing. There's consciousness. It's all consciousness and and we are consciousness and it's the old idea where john wheeler said there's no out there out there which if you really take a look this is a nobel prize guy who came up with the black hole the wormhole theory Mm -hmm. this nobel prize guy what if that's true what if there is no out there out there that is all here it's all one thing here there's no out there out there they're not coming from anywhere they're here right now and it's all this manifestation that we're all we're all everything that you see or the, the idea of the quantum physics thing. Uh, Einstein being so upset, I'd like to know the moon is behind me when I'm not looking. It's this idea that the particle only comes into existence when you actually when it's absolutely observed and it's, it's, so that's this manifestation thing that quantum physics is starting to validate this idea that it could all be here it could all be now all our lives are on top of each other there's no past, there's no future, there's no physical world and its it's, it's like a, a one guy called it it's like a giant kabuki theater. And the only the only message is that it's more complex. It, it's all one, and it's it's much much more complex. You're not alone, and that's what the paranormal things about. I call it the theory of wow, where you start looking at the stuff they're doing over and over again. You see that they're just they just want you to like they see a UFO. Like why do UFOs have lights on them? They have lights on them so you can see them. They want to go. Hello, here we are. Take a look, and they do these weird things that drag you and down the rabbit hole, make you totally passionate about the thing where you can't let it go, you cannot go, and it, it you 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 grow down the road, but is it you doing this? Because all the people, if you talk to people with abduction experience, I asked Mary Rodwell, who's a very famous, and she's done 3,000 regressions in Australia.
0: She's been on the show.
1: Yeah, and I, I talked to her. I said, Mary, if you regressed all these people back, these people who have been abducted to birth, and you said at any point in the past did you agree to be in this situation, how many people would say yes? Mary said, 100%. That's the whole deal. There was one woman, uh, Kathy Martin, who's the the, the the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, the famous abductee, the first abductee. And I said to her, I said, Kathy, what do you think about this soul contract thing? That there's there's nothing random happening here that people are coming in. So it's like, for example, near people don't know, people who have had abduction experience, 39% of them have had near-death experiences. And most of those people have had two. And so the question is: Is it a random event? Is it random that you had a near-death experience, a random near-death experience, but and then you so also random. had a, <laughs> and you also had a random abduction experience? And so I asked Kathy Martin. I said, Kathy, what's what do you think about this soul contract thing? That everybody's agreeing that there is no good, and there is no bad. It's all just experience. You have agreed to come in to work with these beings because it's it's this very critical time and period, and that we realize that Earth's going to be in trouble. Where these higher, higher vibrating people are going to come in. They're going to work with these aliens and they're going to make this agreement and they're going to try to raise the consciousness of the world. And Kathy said, I always thought about that, you know? So what I did is I actually got myself regressed and I actually heard the words come out of my mouth when I was young. I agreed to this. And that's the whole thing. People think it's random. They think we're a victim. The ego says, Oh, we're a victim. You know, it's Hillary Clinton and her emails and, you know, and the Chinese and the, you know, these bad people and those bad people and poor old me. And then you start to realize if you take responsibility and you know what it's like, until you take responsibility for what's happening in your life, you will never solve anything. You have to first acknowledge that yes, I may I whatever has happened, I take responsibility for this, and you and you start to move. So that's the whole the, the, the concepts that change is this whole idea, it's multiple lives. We're coming in under soul contracts, and it's all just a theater. We're all coming in. To learn certain lessons, uh, to realize who we all actually are—that we aren't a, 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 an actor on the stage; that we are actually the person watching the thing, and that that this is a play that we're running, and that that and or Michael Newton says, "When you die, you only get asked one question: How did it work out? Because you put the players on the stage. You you did the whole thing. You can't blame anybody else for what happened. You set the players, and and, he's, and Michael Newton says, seven thousand people, everybody says the same thing when they get asked that question." Oh, I could have done better. So the only thing we have to remember in life is you and I, if this is true, you and I both agreed before we came in, according to Newton, you see your life before, and you're going to meet people, and, and you and I are going to have an interview, and you're going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and we're all working together. And, and when you come in, all you have to do is realize, who am I really? I'm not the player on the stage. This is just a, a character that I'm playing. I've come in. I, had, I agreed because multiple lives. I came in to do something what am I supposed to be doing and am I doing it? And you don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just like, what am I doing? Am I supposed, to, cause when you leave, they're gonna ask how to work out. And you're gonna say, oh, you know, wow. Well, you know, if uh, you know, if the, the Chinese hadn't dumped that virus, I would have done something. Man. I, I would have, you know, and it's all these, and they're gonna go time out, time out. This is not about anybody else, this is about you. You agreed to do this, you agreed to do that. You came in, you had all these opportunities. You, you decided you're going to be abducted. You're going to be a, 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 a podcast show. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And did you do it? And that's all we have to do is remember who we actually are. We are not the player on the stage. We came in, our player is doing certain things, but we have agreed to do certain things when you come in. And that's when you get the synchronicities, when you're on the, on the path and something happens and you run into something, you go, Hey, that's, that's, it, it rings a bell. And that's because this idea, I believe that before you, before you come into the world, they talk about going to this giant theater where you start. you see all the players and all the things that the people you're going to meet. When I meet Lou, Louisa, I've got to, I've got to talk to her. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. We've got to do something. And, so this and interview's so,
0: already happened or yeah, certainly yeah. planned.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's where he actually talks about when he's talking to the guy and he's back in real time because everything's in real time. There is no time. So the guy's in real time and Newton's asking all these questions and he's in watching his future life and all these things. He's got to meet these people and all sorts of stuff. He said, could you, could you quit asking questions? I, I got to know what I got to do here. <laughs> it could bug me. I'm, I'm trying. To, and that's the whole thing. So that's this synchronicity thing or this thing. When, when you meet somebody or something happens, you know, because you planned this, this is a, a sort of a bell that goes off and you got to, so you just follow your feelings, realize who you actually are. You're not the player on the stage. You are not the voice in your head. Everything's in action inside consciousness. So it's all consciousness. You control it. Don't blame anybody else for it. Do what you're supposed to do. And when you're finished, you'll feel good because you say, I, "I didn't achieve everything I did, but I did the best I could with what I had." That I, I but most people sort of forget who they are, and they get into the rape, pillage, kill, and steal. Whoever's got the most toys when they die wins. Game, and it's sort of like, "What can I get?" And who, you know, I need more. Even in this, in the spiritual community, even in the UFO community, I call it like uh, spiritual capitalism. We got, we got a big house. We got two cars. We got everything now we need some spiritual stuff i mean we need some entertainment we need let's go to a seance and stuff and a lot of people i warn people like when they get into these things where they go out and look for ufos don't let this be a game because it's it's sort of just like entertainment like i got to dude night so uh, let's go out and look for ufos or let's it used to be in the 19th century all the rich people would go and they would have seances let's let's go call up some dead people but it's, it's for entertainment and you got to realize what am i supposed to be doing what, what's my role and when you're on the, the path, you know you're on the path, because the synchronicities start to work, everything starts to go, and you feel good about it. And that's where the passion, I believe, comes in, is you're on the right path, and everything's vibrating properly, and uh, we, we, most people just forget who they are, and they actually fall into this idea about the fact that they are actually just a player, they're, they're a player, and there's nothing outside the player and that's why i think psychedelics is so important where where people suddenly realize when the ego is crushed because that's what happens psychedelics the ego is hunted down and it's killed and and that's what happens in head injuries that's what happens in in meditation where you can shut that voice down or under hypnosis you can shut the voice down and when the voice as soon as the ego is gone then the people suddenly realize oh my i'm connected to everything and that's the thing you've got to realize and when you get that I, i my people ask me i a lot of quotes my famous my my favorite quote is everything that's considered to be evil in the modern world is created by one thing and one thing only the mistaken belief in separation everything that is good is the is is the belief in oneness when you believe that you are separate that's when you have the the situation where you start to do things if you if it's the idea of the fork once once you realize that everything is you that everything's around you is you. It's connected to you. You're not going to injure yourself. You're not going to destroy yourself. You're going to work together like a cell in a human body and work together. Well, people ask me, why do the beings come? I say, because we're in a world of ego. Once you get out of this world, everything works like like, like a beehive. Everybody's trying to make the beehive better, make it work better, they're altruistic because they understand oneness. They're in oneness. That's how they get here. They're not flying here. They're coming through portals. They're there. They're here. They're moving through these dimensions, but they're they're not flying across time and space. They understand the concept of oneness. And when you understand the concept of oneness, then you get into this idea of knowing what to do properly because you're going to work for the betterment of the one. And when when the one is is getting bigger, because the universe is basically just getting bigger, smarter, uh, more loving. It's just growing in that way. The ego shuts it down. The ego has this illusion that I'm separate from the rest of the universe. I'm 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 alone um, and I'm all that there is. And that's why it's so important to do these modalities, whatever the modality is, to get in a field where you suddenly realize that you that this oneness concept exists. And it changes your whole life once you once you realize that 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 oneness exists. There's almost no doubt if multiple lives is a fact that we came in here to do something. We plan to do something to come in here and who knows what it is. And then you have empathy for the people who don't understand because not everybody needs to be where you and I are that, you know, to, that you and I are in a worse position. Cause if you know something, you're in a worse position, because if you get on the other side, and you really didn't know anything. Then they're going to say, well, it's kind of a break. I mean, good, but you knew, yeah. you knew, you knew what was going on and you didn't do anything. And that's where it's very dangerous. The more, you know, because then the, the onus is on you, too much is given, much is expected. And that's what always scares me is, uh, you know, trying to do the best I can in terms of understanding that it's multiple lives and that, um, that there's this progression and that I came here to do something and uh, I've got to figure out what it is. And I think I figured it out because I, I, I and, and in, in this uh, breakthrough thing, when I've been in the mystical state, the weird thing I actually wrote about it the other night is very, very strange. This, I don't know if you've ever experienced this thing with gratitude and and it just drives me nuts. It's like you're in a mystical state. You figure like, Oh man, this is cool. I mean, in this mystical state. You're just sitting in a joint. Not me. I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. Like where's that little twerk, that little gratitude thing. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It comes in and I always post, I post after I say, I am the luckiest person that ever lived on the earth. And and if you think you're luckier, get your chips, put them on the table. And I'm going to check your pockets to make sure you're not holding back any chips. I will call you I am the luckiest person and it's this thing that comes over I don't know how they do it I said if you could figure out how they do this you can make a billion dollars overnight it's the most amazing thing I've had it happen a dozen times I cannot figure it out I sit there when it's happening I'm going how is this done it's like you the gratitude it's like times a hundred it's just like the weirdest thing and I think that's the left brain being shut down when you suddenly the ego gets out of the way and you're one with all it is the feeling is unbelievable. And I just like, just drives me nuts. I'm just sitting here because I'm waiting for it to come. It's like, I got no gratitude yet. Where's the gratitude? And suddenly it's there and you can't shake it off. I tried to get rid of it. I tried to make it go away. I can't make it go away.
0: Oh, you and don't want crazy. it to go away. Gratitude's yeah, a wonderful It's I
1: can't figure out how they do that. But, but I think that's what
0: it is. is well, once I think you you're doing it, aren't you? It yeah, we well, once you, create... once you,
1: that's the thing is your ego is shut down, your, your ego is, is out of the way, and you're one with all that is. And that's this bliss state. That's that's this mystical state that you're you're one with all that is. And it's an unbelievable state. That uh, so for people, I mean, there's all I've got seventy different modalities. People will use different things. Some people can do meditation very well. Uh, like even you you swim. There's all these different ways. But it's the ability to shut down, to not be. Uh, ruminating because that's what people do. It, it, that's why psychedelics works so well. Psilocybin works at, at London College where they, they got 80% success ratio with depression that is non-treatable. These people have been through every treatment and they 80% success ratio Amazing. after three years. It's unbelievable. And what it is, is it shuts the ego down. Because what happens in the, the ego is the ego is ruminating. It's self-ruminating. It's worrying. Me, oh, poor me, poor me, this. And you're looking back to the past. It's depression. You're looking to the future It's stress. And then the ego says, you should kill yourself. I mean, this is absolutely terrible. We are just getting screwed here, man. It's just terrible. And, and, and then when you, the person commits suicide, the ego goes, yeah, I won. And when you shut the ego down, you go into this bliss state where it, it's unbelievable. I, I, I just can't express uh, how unbelievable and grateful I am. And it's just so weird. But uh, but you have to try as much as possible to realize who you actually are. You are not the voice in the head. You are not the player on the stage. You are the eternal spark of the divine that has come here for his physical experience to learn lessons of gratitude, empathy, love, understanding, all these things, enjoy it, do what you can. And, uh, that's all. That's all I like to remind people. Remember it's all one. And you're part of it. And we came in here for a reason.
0: Great message. Thank you so much. So where can people find you and I will put all the links in the show notes as well.
1: The only things I really recommend, I, my daily stuff, when I have find things, I I have my presidential UFO Facebook site is where I post, Mm -hmm. um, uh, stuff there. Um, I All my books, I have, uh, there'll be about 12 books within a couple of weeks. Uh, they're all on Amazon. You can go there. Me, people don't read very much. The main one is my White House UFO Grant Cameron YouTube channel. So I have your video on there. And I do like you. I find somebody that's really weird and I like. I go, wow, I'd like to talk to that person. <laughs> because, you know, in an interview, like if you, if you talk to people and it, you send a message, they, they'll sort of ignore this question and that question. But usually when you interview people, you can ask them questions that you would never get away with anywhere else. And so I, I, to me, it's like, this person's interesting. They have something that I would like to know. And that's why I do all these interviews. So I do a lot like you. I do a lot of near-death experiences. They're interviews.
0: amazing interviews. So I encourage everyone. I, to- I do
1: a lot less UFO stuff. I keep getting dragged in because I have this sort of background on government cover-up and president stuff. But mostly, I if I could drop that, I would drop it. I'm more into uh, this idea of consciousness um, and near-death experience uh psychic phenomena channeling all this kind of stuff because that's where it's at that's i think will explain to you what's going on it's the weird things in the world it's like the you seeing the devil it's like when you say this isn't what you think it is take a closer look what is this really or um I, one let me give you one thing um we we talked about this thing about wrong blocks this is an idea that was given to me i'd like to express this So it's the idea that we have these blocks and we think we have made this mistake. We think the world is all solved. We've got it all solved. And we're just waiting for one more thing and we'll figure it all out. And in fact, it's all wrong blocks. So in 1492, we thought the world was flat, wrong block. We thought the sun went around the earth. That was very evident, but it's wrong. Uh, Everything's solid, wrong. Uh, The world's not spinning. We're stationary. No, we're moving at a thousand miles an hour into the east. And that was one thing that gave me that the, uh, the message was given to me is it's you got the wrong blocks. You're shuffling these blocks around, and they're all wrong. You've got to get the right blocks, and that's where you, you, the paranormal comes in. It will tell you where the right – there's a new block. You need to learn something new because this shouldn't happen in the, in the world that you think is, is happening. And the two expressions they tied into this uh, were – and they've given it to me numerous times. They keep reminding me of this. One was by Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said you cannot solve a problem using the same information that you use to create the problem. That's this idea. You can't be shuffling All the right. blocks around. And the other one was William James who said, you think you're thinking. You're actually just rearranging your prejudices. And mm-hmm. so that's uh, one of the things that I think is, is one of the messages that really made sense to me. And the, the, the problem we have is that when you get to 20 years old, not only uh, do you have the wrong blocks, but you glue all the blocks together in your head, and they ain't even moving after that. They, they're there. So people get stuck in this one worldview, which makes you and I important that we're on the leading edge of what I call the Super Bowl. If you understand what's going on here, whether you call it the World Cup soccer game or, or the Super Bowl, if you understand the, the bottom line, not the aliens, forget the aliens, forget spirits, whatever, you understand what's really going on in terms of what you and I are studying. This is the biggest story of all times. So there are no bigger story. And you and I, Louisa, we got to be in the stadium. We're not outside. Most people live lives of quiet desperation. They have no idea what's going on. You and I know what's going on. We're in the stadium. Now, you may be the the, the quarterback. You may be the water boy or the water girl, uh, but you're in the stadium. And accept the fact, the the, the be honored. That you got to play in the biggest game of all time. So I always tell people when they have a story, I experience it, I say, You written that down? And they go, Well, no. I said, No, you gotta write it down for your kids. You gotta write it down because 500 years from now, your great great grandchildren are gonna say, Oh, that's Louisa, man. She knew what's going on, man. She was right on, she was one of the first. It's like living at the time of Jesus or or some very important time that we're here. We know what's going on, and you gotta appreciate the fact you got to play in the biggest game of all times because you know what's going on. People do, do not on the outside, but you and I do. And we have to appreciate the fact that we got to play in this really, really important game and pass the message as much as we can to everybody else that this game is going on in the world.
0: I don't know if I should start cheering, but that was fantastic.
1: <laughs> Which is another one they gave me. They gave me this gratitude. I'll, I'll end it with this. They gave me this gratitude thing. I'm in, I'm in the field. I'm in, I'm in the, the, the field and I, I'm frustrated with this gratitude thing. I mean, it's like, it just bogging me out. I'm trying to figure out how does this work how do they do this how do how does this gratitude thing work and I'm and I get frustrated and I said I don't know what to do and this voice comes in and says you know grant you're an old guy what you do stand up and do a standing ovation and just keep standing until you fall over dead
0: <laughs> and oh my God. sense of humor hey <laughs>
1: yeah. well the universe has got an incredible sense of humor it's like uh, uh, that's what I noticed but it's very it's very very sometimes when I describe it People think I'm, I'm, I'm making it up that the world is, is the universe is cruel. The you, the universe, the way it's described to me, it's like a, a grade six teacher who's done it for 40 years. And the little kid comes along and says, Hey, I'm here this year. I'm special. Get out of here, kid. I'm, I'm not stupid. I know what's going on. There are rules, kid. Here's how it works. You follow the rules. You may spend grade six in bliss. If you don't follow the rules, you may die. The universe, people want to have this, like, um, Uh, a world where it's all fuzzy and warm or whatever the universe is rules there are rules and regulations there are it's all set and you're the one that plays you're depending how you do depends whether it works or doesn't work the universe is not involved it's it's independent it just sets up all the rules and and you're the one that navigates through there whereas people sort of have this idea where uh, uh, the universe is love and and that's what they said to me they gave me the expression. The universe is love. Therefore, they're going to get you're going to cut you all these corners. They're going to give you a break here and they're going to give you a break there. And the universe says to me, they said, "the the, the core of the universe is love, but don't conf- don't confuse us with your cookie baking grandma." And this is this idea that it it's the way you are creating the world. You are creating the good, the bad, your bad stuff, and you have to take responsibility for it. That all the rules are set up there. It's all been set up in like the laws of physics, whatever you want to call them. And it's you and I operating in those that determine how well we do or how well we don't do. And you can't blame Hillary Clinton. You can't blame the dog. You can't blame, you know, the Chinese or the Russians or everybody wants to play the blame game. We are playing in this world. Everything has been set up. And if you do it properly, you will end up in bliss. If you don't do it properly, you will end up on the other end that we are the creators of our own destiny and we got to quit trying to blame everybody else and play the victim role, which is what the ego wants you to do. It wants you to believe you're a victim and uh, everybody's against you and uh, you've gotten a rough time and, and uh, everybody's got a better deal than you have. So uh, uh, um, we'll leave it at that.
0: Great. <laughs> well, Grant Cameron, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest.
1: So a, many concepts thing. and
0: ideas to think about. Thank you for sharing that with the Passion Harvest audience.
1: Hope, hopefully people pick something up from.
0: Thanks.